hard time right now, then get that image uh, in your mind. Maybe a breakup of a relationship, something at work, a health issue, aging parent or family member, something that happened to one of your kids, maybe even something that happened at school when that one person did that one thing that was, that was terrible. The image of that thing that was difficult to go through, but maybe even more so difficult to understand. The thing that if you were totally transparent about it, maybe even made you say, God, I don't understand how a, how a good and loving God would let this happen. You got that thing in your mind? Is it in there? Okay. I believe the answer to that question because of that thing that we will hopefully nail down this morning is an accurate understanding, trust, and resting in the wisdom of God. I truly believe that. Look with me in your notes from your bulletin, and we'll quickly recap this morning's study time. Or if you weren't here, participate in that. We'll introduce it to you real quick. Right there inside your first notes. It says the definition, the wisdom of God, the attribute, that attribute of God whereby he produces the best possible results by the best possible means. Or the quality of being wise, power of judging rightly, and following the soundest course of action based on knowledge, experience, and understanding. 1 Timothy 1.17, now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, honor and glory forever and ever, amen. Or Romans 11.33, my personal favorite scripture on the wisdom of God. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments, and his paths beyond tracing out. That's Romans eleven, thirty-three. 33. Or A.W. Tozer, who can get really wordy and really smart on you really quick, but he's really deep. He says, wisdom, among other things, is the ability to devise perfect ends and to achieve those ends by the most perfect means. It sees the end from the beginning, so there can be no need to guess or conjecture. All God's acts are done in perfect wisdom, First for his own glory, and then for the highest good of the greatest number for the longest time. Not only could his acts not be better done, he, a better way to do them could not be imagined. Okay, so God's wisdom is that part of him in which he brings about the best possible ends by the best possible means for the most possible people for the longest or greatest length of time. That's God's wisdom. But how does God display that wisdom? How has he shown it? How has he revealed it? He quickly went over that this morning. First thing is his creation. Psalm 104, 24, his creation. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures, which is something that's been created and been created by God. One honestly cannot take an honest look at the universe, at nature, at biology, and not come away with awe for its wise designer. We could honestly spend the entire morning on this subject. The wisdom of biology, the wisdom of physiology, the wisdom of astrology, and the workings of creation. I promise I could nerd out on this all morning, but I won't do that to you. But suffice it to say, the more and more and more we use science to reveal the knowledge of the physical created world, the more and more 
and more evident, the wisdom of the designer God is confirmed. Second way that he displays his wisdom is through providence. Psalms 33, 10 through 11. The Lord foils the plans of the nation. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand, for, stand firm forever. The purposes, the purposes of his heart through all generations. What is God's providence? It's the quality or state of making provision for the future. The part of God that will provide for his future, for his plan. God has a plan and nothing can thwart. And I love that old word, thwart. Nothing can thwart God from providing for the future of his plan. Chip spoke about that this morning in the study time on the video. He talked about Israel being in the diaspora when they were spread all over the world. Then God providing a way to draw them all back from the four corners of the earth to Israel to make another nation, just like he said that he would. It was a great example. Or you can look at the genealogy of Jesus and see God's providence. Or you can look at the preservation and the confirmation of Scripture, the fact that we even have Scripture, and see God's providence. Nothing can or will stop God's providence because of the wisdom of the design of his plan. Or through redemption. Or through redemption. In your notes, you'll see there on your, uh, underneath the redemption in your notes, 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 10. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Before time began, God had that plan. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So, redemption, God's wise plan to pay for sin, to buy back, to redeem humanity, while still maintaining the dignity of freedom of will, is so beyond human imagination that we still to this day have trouble just fully accepting the grace of God as exemplified in the gift of His Son, Jesus. We still struggle with just accepting that for what it is to this day. Or finally, through His Son. The last thing that you talked about this morning in your study time. In your notes, 1 Corinthians 1.30. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. The life, the example, the teachings, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus personify and reveal God's wisdom in its most magnificent form. From human eyes, a huge failure until God flips it like he intended to do all along into the biggest victory imaginable. So that is God's wisdom. That's what it is. But what are we to do with it? How do we respond to it? The first thing that we must do is learn, keyword, is your blank there on your notes, learn to live wisely. Learn to live wisely. And the scripture 
from Ephesians 5, which is my second favorite scripture uh, on God's wisdom. Be careful, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We must learn to be wise, and learning is a process. It's something that continues to take time over time. And I think learning happens in only two ways. There's two ways that we learn. We learn by accident. We just happen to learn something. Just happen to be there, happen to hear it. It happened to take place, and we happen to learn. It was, seems accidental to us. Or we learn by intention. Because we mean to. We learn because we mean to. We intend to. We have a plan. We, have, we place value on learning. And here's the thing. If we have a God... If we have a God with perfect knowledge, perfect goodness, perfect wisdom, knows all things, all things imagined and all things actual, and he desires for us to know him, wouldn't it be a good idea for us to be intentional and serious about knowing his wisdom, about wanting to learn his wisdom? I can hear some of you saying how, and I'd be glad that you asked that question. We must reverence God's ways. How do we learn God's wisdom? We have to have a reverence for Him. So, uh, Proverbs 1 7, it's on the screen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Intentional learning, we, are, we can intentionally learn, it starts with the right heart, with the right desire, having a true awe for God, a yearning for Him, and a humility to know that you need Him, that you don't know it all, a humility that you know you need Him because you don't know it all. You don't know it all. I don't know it all. No one knows it all. No matter how much we pretend to know it all, none of us know it all. We have to have humility to know that God does actually know something that we don't know, and if That's the beginning of starting to have a process and an intentional desire to learn God's wisdom. The second thing is, and you hear this just about every time, we hear this just about every time we get together. Something about the value of digging into God's Word or the importance of reading God's Word. We have to read and understand His Word. Those blanks are also in your notes. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That sticks out to me. Thoroughly equipped. You catch that part? Here's the way I think about things, and I think about things weird. I'll be the first to admit that. But thoroughly equipped. What if our football team showed up for a game without helmets? Or, or half the team had helmets, but not shoulder pads, and the other half had shoulder pads, but, but not helmets. What would you think? What would you think about the coach? What if the coach said this in regards to that? Well, we have all the equipment. We've got it all. But the players, they just didn't come by. They didn't come by the equipment room and get it before we left for the game. Yet we, with our lack of zeal for God's Word, show up day after day after day, 
in our lives without hardly ever stopping by our spiritual equipment room to get our equipment so we can be thoroughly equipped. And if a player got seriously hurt while out there playing football without a helmet, would we blame the designer of the game for that taking place? Of course not. Yet that's exactly what we do with God when it comes to life. We blame him for the things that happen, and we're sitting here not thoroughly equipped, and he's already asked us to. He's told us that we can be, and we don't stop by our spiritual equipment room and pick up the things that we need, the helmet and the breastplate and all the things that God's word tells us we can have. We must read and understand and plant God's wisdom in our hearts so that it can bear out in obedience because information isn't enough. Hearing this this morning isn't enough. Learning isn't enough. We must plant it deep in our hearts so that it can bear out in obedience. We have to apply the information. Applying the information is the goal. That's God's goal for us in our life, to hear and then to apply, not just to hear. Next thing we have to do is ask for it. We must ask for wisdom if we want wisdom. If any of you James 1, through, uh, James 1, 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. 100% of the time, 100% of the time, if we ask God for wisdom with the correct, humble heart and desire, God will give it. 100% of the time. But, verse 6 goes on to say, that when we ask for it, ask without doubt. A more clear English translation of that, and some English translations say it this way, without being double-minded. Without being double-minded. One of the words we get from that root word that we still use is schizophrenic, or schizophrenia. That's the kind of the idea where things are double-minded. So, in other words, we can't ask God for wisdom from a heart and a mind of double-mindedness. We can't say, well, God, we'll take it under advisement. I'm asking for your wisdom, but I'm just really taking it under advisement. You know, I'll say yes if I like it. I'll say yes if I agree with your wisdom. If it seems logical to me, God, then I'll say yes. That's what that's getting at right there. Not doubting or wondering or, wow, I don't know how this can be right. But a lot of the time, the wisdom of God feels that way. It's not the feeling. It's the motive. It's the heart behind it. Don't, we can't be double-minded when we ask for it. God already knows we're going to say no when he tells us anyway. That's why he won't tell us unless the heart is correct. So the, the thing is, it, it, no. Not if I like it, I say yes. No. God, the answer is yes. God, what is the wise thing to do? I may not like it. I may not want to do it. It may seem crazy but I'll do it. Just please, God, tell me what to do. 100% of the time, he'll answer that. That's what his word says right there, plain as day. And usually he'll answer it in a surprising way, through a conversation that seems happenstance, through a song, through a study group, through several people that talk to you, and they say the same thing. And sometimes I'm like, oh, okay. I got it this time. I'm a little dense sometimes, but I got it this time, God. Thank you for confirming that over and over and over and over again for your hard-headed 
served. We must trust him completely. That's the next thing we have to do. We have to trust him completely. Uh, Read in your notes there. On number four, if you've got that. If you don't, Jerry's going to be mad at you. She spends a lot of time making all this stuff. We must learn to trust him completely. Right there underneath that. That all that comes our way is from the hand of a good and loving God who knowing all things actual and possible is exerting his unlimited power to execute the best possible outcomes by the best possible means to fulfill the highest possible purposes. Whatever you're going through, whatever we go through, whatever you are going through, even if it's self-inflicted by poor decisions, or even if you're going through it because it's discipline from God for consequences of sin, or if it's just the difficulties of living in a fallen world, whatever it is that we are going through, it's the kindest, best, most gracious way for the best possible outcome for the most possible people for the greatest length of time. That's God's wisdom. Because if that weren't the case, then it, if it weren't the plan, then God's plan would have been different. If what you were going through isn't that because that's God, then what you're going through would be different. Even the things that you're going through simply because we blatantly disobey God and the punishment that comes from that. If there were a better way to discipline you or discipline me back to him, a kinder way, a more gracious way to bring us back to him, then that's what would be taking place because that is God. That's not something he learned. That's not something that he was educated on. That's not something that he hopes for. That is who he is. His, his attributes are not things that he learned through trial and error. His attributes are him. He is good. He is sovereign. He is holy. He is wise. Not he learned to be wise. He is those things. He can't help but be those things. So, I've got about a two-minute video here. Maybe will help us understand this a little better. Sometimes... We think we know everything. We think we have it all under control. But then, in a split second, everything changes. Something happens you never expected. Time suddenly freezes, and you wonder, how could this be happening? But what if you aren't seeing the whole picture? Meanwhile, God has a view of things you don't. The Bible says he always sees the big picture. In his wisdom, he knows the future and has his hand on every moment in time. You can trust God with every moment of your life because God knows everything, even though you can't. So always remember, God is wise.
God is wise. Just like the woman had the car wreck to save that child. Or maybe this story will help explain it a little bit better. It certainly helped me. Think of a man, an older man, and he has the job of switching the train tracks. Okay? Now, this isn't nowadays in times where you can communicate like this. This is further back where information traveled slower. And his job is to flip the switch, to change the train, to go on the correct track at the correct time. If he does it too late, then obviously train wrecks could happen. If he does it too soon, before the train has time to slow down, then the train will wreck. He has to do it at the exact right time to switch the track so the train either goes north or goes south where it's supposed to go. And he's on his job, and he looks down, and he sees his young son on the railroad track. And the train's coming. And he's in a position where it's too late for the train's track to be changed. The kid's on the south track. The train was already going on the north track. If he changes it now, it's too late. The train will wreck, and four or 500 people will perish because that's what happens in a train wreck. Or he could let it keep going. The train will be fine. It'll move right on, but his son won't make it. Now the question is, what's the wise thing for the guy flipping the switch to do? What's the wise thing for him to do? Not the sacrificial thing. Not the loving thing. What's the wise thing for him to do? And as I was reading this story and thinking about how to share it with you, I hadn't got to the next line and I thought, what you're thinking, probably the obvious answer. You've got to let a son go. I mean, that's almost picture-perfect Sunday school answer right there. It's like picturing Jesus, right? It's God sacrificing his son for the greater people. And that's what we do with God's wisdom. We think it's that simple. But what if his son was going to be the next great evangelist and was going to lead thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people to salvation so they could be saved to live with God forever? Well, would the wise thing then be to save the son and let the train wreck? Or what if there was somebody on the train that was going to cure one of our incurable diseases, what seems to be incurable diseases, the terrible things that we go through, cancer, whatever it may be, AIDS, whatever it is. What if somebody on the train was going to do that? What if somebody on the train was the next great evangelist? So that's the problem with relying on our own wisdom. We don't know all things. We can't know all things. We don't know if the right thing to do, the wise thing to do is to save the son or to let the train or to save the train and sacrifice the son. We don't know. We might know what the sacrificial thing is. We might know what seems to be the loving thing, but we don't know the wise thing. Only someone outside of time, outside in an eternal perspective could know. God is the only one that knows all things actual and possible. He knows what, what could be of all the people on the train or what could be of the Son. He knows. 
He, he knows. And we have to trust that in his wisdom. It's why, why did God let that plane crash? Why did God let that car crash? Why did God let my sister, brother, husband, wife, mom, dad get sick? Why did God let that happen? Why did God let this happen? You have to trust in the fact that if there were a better, more gracious, more kind way, then it would be happening. Because God knows all things actual and possible. You could sit here from now to the rest of your life, however long you live, and try to imagine a better way for things to be designed and a better way for your life to take place than God has for you. You could try. And you can imagine this and you can imagine that. And you would never get even close to the things that God imagined before he ever started his creation. He thought about all of it. He thought about you and me and those that will come a hundred years from now if the earth is still around. He thought about all of it. And he wanted to give us freedom of choice so that we could truly choose to love him and knowing that we would not choose to love him, that we would not choose to trust him. (laughs) From eternity past, he put his plan into motion to send his son to save us. It's an unfathomable, wise way that things have worked out. Without the, the bad, we wouldn't know that God is good. Without the bad, we wouldn't know how great he is. Without the bad, a lot of the times where he is glorified wouldn't take place. Without the bad, you wouldn't know that you have choice. <laughs> if everything was good, that's just, it's just good. Without the bad, we wouldn't get what we got. God had to allow that in his wisdom. He had to. So I'm going to just finish up with a few things, okay? Some common ways that, that I think that we ignore God's wisdom, okay? We, I said, we, not you, we, me too. God says, do not forsake assembling together. That's what he tells us. Don't forsake assembling together like this. But we say, yeah, but God so-and-so hurt my feelings. They were rude to me. God, you don't understand what that person did to me. And we justify not trusting in God's wisdom. God says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That one makes me grit my teeth every time. We say, but God, (laughs) that can't be right. That can't be right. What about justice? Which, by the way, is the attribute that we'll be looking at next week. But God, how can I care for someone that is mean to me, that's rude to me, talks bad to me? How can that be best? How can praying for that person be best? God, do you you even know what party he's in? You wouldn't ask me to do that if you knew what party he was in. God says, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Clearly says that. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And we say, God, make it easier. Make this easier. God, why is it hard? Like we're surprised that life is hard and following him is difficult. God, don't you love me? Aren't you good? 
Why is this so difficult? He tells us the way to life is difficult. Or God says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, the, the way leads to death. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And we say, but God, I'm pretty darn smart. Pretty darn smart, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm meticulous in my planning. I'm highly educated. I got a double major. Summa cum laude. <laughs> and this just makes sense to me, God. I mean, I'm really smart. And this makes sense. I mean, I know it goes against what you say is best, just a little. But is that what you really mean? Because I'm pretty smart. Or God says, before you make offerings to me, get right with each other. Get right with people first. We say, God, I love you. I come to church. I have knowledge about you. I sacrifice for you. He says, then forgive, oh, so-and-so. <laughs> God, I can't do that. How can I do that? Why would I have to do that? Surely you don't actually want me to do that, God. And he says, go and be reconciled first. Then come offer me your gift. God says, run away, flee, run away from sexual immorality. And he tells us that lusting is dangerous. And we say, I'll just take a peek. It's not harming anybody. God, it's okay. I mean, I plan on marrying them. So it's okay, isn't it? I mean, what's the worst that could happen? God says, let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. Be a person of your word. A good word is more precious than gold. We say, but God, I'm just stretching the truth a little. I mean, I really need to close this deal. A lot of things are rotten on this. A lot of people are counting on me. I'm just stretching it a little. Isn't it okay? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't want to hurt so-and-so's feelings which is a lie that we tell ourselves often, which really means I don't want to be uncomfortable, so I'm not going to tell that person the truth. Guilty. God says, take a structured, regular rest. Once a week, if you can. Rest from your normal activities. Spend time with me. Trust me to provide for you. We say, God, you don't get it. I've got so much to get done. So many people counting on me. God, I'll get fired. I have to do this today. I promise I'll spend time with you soon. God says, if at all possible, live at peace with everyone. Don't avenge yourselves. Vengeance is mine. Trust my righteous judgment and justice. And we say, but God, he deserves he deserves. God, be at peace. Have you seen that guy's idiotic Facebook posts? You want me to be at peace with him? I think I need to give him peace of my mind. Guilty. God says, as a follower of Jesus, being born again, 
You are no longer slaves to sin. You have been freed from the power of sin. We say, well, you know, the devil made me do it. We say, well, it's just my OSN. It's just my old sin nature. I just can't help it. It's just who I am. Hear hear this one well. After you place your faith in Jesus, after we have placed our faith in Jesus, we've been saved forevermore. We've been born anew. Reborn from above. Born again. Death to Christ, raised to a new life. Once we have done that, we sin for one reason and one reason only. Because we choose to. Period. Because God's word says that we've been freed from the power of sin. We are no longer slaves to it. If you're not a slave, then you have a choice. We choose to. Period. So again, God's wisdom. There's no getting around it. The best possible means to the best possible ends for the most possible people for the greatest length of time. For his glory first and our good second. That's God's wisdom. The question is, are we going to trust that or not? That's the question. The question is, have you ever trusted that? Have you ever trusted God's wisdom? Have you ever said, yep, I need you. I need you. I need that thing you did to redeem me, to buy me back. I need that. I can't do it on my own. I realize that now. If you have never done that, that's what invitation is for. When God's word is spoken, we give a time to respond because that's what God's word does. It needles us to a response. We either say yes or we say no, but it needles us to a response. So during this song that we'll sing, if you need to come down and you want to receive God for the first time, you want to say, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior now and forever so I can be bought back to God, redeemed. Because his plan is way better than mine. Hadn't been working out so well for me so far. Trying to do it on my own. Then this would be that time. Or if this morning you just need... to come to God and say, I've been trying to do it on my own. (laughs) But thank you for reminding me this morning that that's not the best way. And today's the day that you... Stick a stake in the ground and say, trust in your way. That thing that you've been trying to get me to do, I'm trusting your way. That thing that you've been trying to get me to say, I'm trusting your way. That place you've been trying to get me to go, I'm trusting your way. That job you've been trying to get me to take or leave, I'm trusting your way. That thing you've been trying to get me to give, I'm trusting your way. Whatever, whatever it may be, I don't, I don't know, but I know it's something. I do know that. This would be that time. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your wisdom.